Hello out there in podcast world. This is Joey Price of the Business Life and Coffee Show. And I'm joined by a special guest, Scoop B, Brandon Robinson. What's going on, brother? Hey, man. What's going on? Nothing. How you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. First of all, uh, first things first, I want everybody to go on Twitter and wish Scoop B, that's S-C-O-O-P-B, wish him a happy birthday. Today's his birthday, y'all. Thank you. Thank you, man. <laughs> so, uh, I I invited you on the show, Brandon. Um, you are uh, a great, great uh, social journalist. Um, I see you everywhere. I see you with everybody um, making moves. <laughs> and uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit about journalism, your story, uh, what maybe some of the challenges that you had and some advice that you would, you would share with uh, people that are interested in all types of media uh, and those that are just curious. Um, so, yeah, if we could tell us about your background and how you got to this point in your career as a journalist. Uh, um, first and foremost, thank you for having me on your show. Um, I really appreciate it. I have respect uh, mutually. Um, and, and to answer your question directly, I mean, growing up, I just talked a lot. Um, <laughs> everybody wanted me to shut up. <laughs> and um, I'm thankful I had a mom and um, you know a stepfather who raised me um, that channeled that um, that gift for Gab, if you will, in the right direction. Um, and I think the biggest thing also was the fact that I like to read the newspaper when I was a kid. Mm. That and also I used to watch 60 Minutes every Sunday uh, with my mom, and I really, really enjoyed uh, the commentary and just the journal investigative journalism reporting and interview style of Ed Bradley um, yeah. a lot. And I used to watch the late Ed Bradley a lot, who was a child prodigy himself. Um, and so my mom and my, and, my, and my stepfather and my late grandmother and a lot of people just put me in the right position. Um, even um, as a young kid, uh, my family owned a sneaker store in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was the only black-owned sneaker store in Harlem on 125th Street called The Athlete's Foot. The oh, only wow. black-owned athlete's foot in New York State. Um, so for me, that, that was the early foundation because I was around athletes, being an athlete's foot. You know, Dominique Wilkins would have sneaker releases there. Hakeem Olajuwon would have sneaker releases there. The Wayans brothers would shop there. Um, and, you know, guys like Mike Tyson would, would come in and, and buy shoes. So I saw a lot of that early on with celebrities. I think that's why there's an ease or comfortability with people of prominence and myself because I started so young when I was a six-year-old ringing a cash register. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were the kind of the foundations. And then at 12 years old, um, I auditioned for a radio spot with the now defunct 1660 AM Oswald Radio. Um, they were looking for kid personalities. Um, after a series of hundreds of kids auditioning, I got the you know, second call back, and then I ended up doing that. I was doing commercials with the Crash Dummies. And around the same time, the Nets were rebranding their, their whole situation. This is 97 at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith Van Horn was drafted. And basically, uh, John Calipari was the head coach and vice president of basketball operations. They were looking for a kid personality. And um, that was where, you know, I, I got my first big break um, as a kid, as a kid reporter. And, you know, interviewed everybody. So it's featured on NBA Inside Stuff. The rest is history. Yeah, I remember um, growing up watching NBA Inside Stuff. Uh, every Saturday morning, and so it's kind of cool to to be full circle there because you've got your uh, your clip there, and um, for those that are interested, you can check it out on YouTube uh, or um, you've got it up on your website, right? Scoopb.com. You can check out scoopb.com. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Contact 
Scoop B, and then you can find my my story. You know, I was a lot has changed since then over the last few years, but you can see that the early stages of me being a kid, kid reporter, and yeah. you know, you saw me and Bill Cosby on camera together, and my Rashad, the Willow Bay, all that stuff, and that those were the foundations early on. Yeah. So um, this is kind of sidetracking a little bit, but it's relevant to our to our audience. When when you your parents had the uh, the shoe store, did they did they teach any sort of life lessons to you, or did you get anything from that? Well, my parents didn't own it. It was actually my uncle and my late grandmother uh-huh. who owned it, and they took it over. Um, my grandfather moved from Florida, grew up poor, always liked nice shoes, um, and he opened a shoe shine stand in Harlem, and um, he saved his money. A shoe open and basically open a shoe store, um, like Gators, like Stetson hats, all that stuff. Um, he passed away. I had an untimely death when my mother was thirteen years old. Mm. My my grandmother and my uncle and other family members, you know, we took over the store. So we had a shoe store, a men's shoe store, and we um, had a sneaker store. Um, so to be honest with you, just the hard work and, the, and just the foundations of that of entrepreneurship. Um, I learned that, and even though I never met my grandfather, um, I learned that stuff from stories told. Mm-hmm. You know, even somebody like Malcolm X, my grandfather knew all those guys. They used to come to George shop, Ruby D. Yossi Davis. Harlem was bumping back then. We were literally right across the street from the Lennox Lounge. Mm-hmm. So the entrepreneurship, in a lot of ways, I feel like I'm living through my uncle, or rather, I'm living through my grandfather. Yeah. You know, and my uncle, you know, to this day is living in. You know, uh, we closed the store, but, you know, he's still an entrepreneur. And those things that I, you know, what it takes to be an entrepreneur, I, I have. Yeah. They they say that uh, if you if you want to know if someone's going to grow up to become an entrepreneur, uh, just look look in their family yeah, I tree. I learned a lot about entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. What's been the what's been the scariest part of uh, of your entrepreneurial journey and, and building the Scoop B brand? Um, I think the biggest thing for me was um, when I finished grad school, um, nobody was checking for me. I mm-hmm. finished at Hofstra University in 2011 and um, had a dollar in a dream. You know, um, yeah. The biggest thing was, and I think it was a blessing looking back on it, um, my parents kicked me out of their house. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get along. I moved back to their house briefly. I stayed at some friends' houses, did what I needed to do, and then... Um, at the time, uh, I finished school in like May of 2011, and then come September, two things. I had knee surgery, and my father died. So September, my father died. I had knee surgery in October, and I basically lived in my grandmother's basement apartment that my father lived in. Mm-hmm. And that was where I started the I, I would joke all the time when I would go upstairs to see my grandmother. I would say, Grandma, I gotta go. I gotta run. I gotta get back in the lab. I gotta run Scoop Inc. downstairs. And she would laugh. <laughs> um, but I started Scoop Inc. in the basement of my grandmother's house. Yeah, yeah you you, um, you tweet it from time to time. I remember uh, your grandmother saying some, some funny stuff, some funny gems. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I better have her rent money. Wait, oh, what did you say? And you better have her rent money. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. When I uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I when I got into entrepreneurship and started my business, um, my mom's biggest thing was, well, 
well, baby, do you have health insurance? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. mom, I, there are ways to get that because, you know, she's, when you start out um, entrepreneurship and maybe you're the first one in the family, you know, there are certain things like health insurance or retirement plans and all that stuff that, that people will worry about. But as as you can vouch, I mean, you, you just got to follow your heart, right? And you just got to follow what you is inside of you. You have to follow your heart. You, you have to follow your heart. But more importantly, um, thankful for the Obama healthcare, the Obama <laughs> administration, because even though some people will say that Obama didn't directly help black people, I would disagree, and I would say that not just black people, minorities, but mm-hmm. the Affordable Health Care Act, as well as extended unemployment, uh, definitely benefited the people of color, if you will. Yeah. And I'll say that being able to have my knee operated on a few years ago, uh, that was of a direct result of uh, Obamacare. You know, yeah. I just made the cut. Yeah. In order to get surgery, no pun intended. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I think that the healthcare thing, I mean, any parent would, would want their child to know. No parent wants to see a child struggle, but I think that our generation gets it, I think, a lot more. The idea of not being a slave to a nine to five. Yeah. Yeah, and, and what do you. What and, do you oh, my head. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, gentlemen, first. Oh, uh, you're, you're too kind, man. Um, what do you think? Why, why do you think our generation is, is so different? Why do you think we're, we're the risk taking generation? Because we grew up in the 90s. Yeah. In the 90s, Will Smith really made a kid from the ghetto think that he could move to the suburbs and code switch. Yeah. I think that our generation um, code switches every day, and it's not even really always consciously, versus our parents, who were part of the civil rights generation, segregated on the cusp of it, or, you know, they, they, they dealt with segregation. They dealt with what, quote-unquote, the white man did to them. Racism is still alive and well, but I think our generation has started to bridge and fuse the process between Martin Luther King's dream of um, when all black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, could think free at last. I think that racism is still alive and well, but I think we are more accepting than other people. I think our generation, as far as imagination, as far as technology, as far as just taking risks, like, I have friends who are Indian or friends that are island, Islanders who their parents want them to be a doctor or a lawyer because it's a secure job, mm-hmm. and they're telling their parents no and going out and doing it, and they have to respect it. You know, I, I think we're different in that regard. I, I'll never forget, um, you guys can check this out as well. I have a podcast on, uh, you can check it on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Podomatic is called Scoopy Radio, and it's just a collection of various interviews that I've done. The best of the, the best, dating back to childhood to present day. I interviewed uh, radio personality Laura Stiles, who's Guatemala, and she's from California. And she talked about how her dad was not okay with her wanting to be a DJ or a radio host, and it wasn't making any money. But she stuck to it, and you know she now is the one of the hosts of Ebro in the Morning on Hot 97 with Paul Rosenberg and, and Ebro mm-hmm. uh, Darden, but. You know, she took that risk, her being, you know, Guatemalan, her dad being, you know, very particular about her, you know, getting money. But I think our generation takes a lot of risk. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the big risks 
this is very small in the grand scheme of things, but I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge Rihanna fan. Uh, one of the risks you had was uh, taking a selfie or asking Rihanna for a selfie, and uh, <laughs> I've all I've 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 I put you in a higher category of journalist because of that. Um, and could you could you talk to me about what that process was like and how did you guys link up and you know what's what's the story behind that that picture? <laughs> All right, so thank you for the compliment, by the way. So I, I was at um, 2014, uh, CC Sabathia of the Yankees, pitching for the Yankees, Robinson Cano, plays for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Robinson Cano had taken that huge deal with the Mariners. Shout out to Rock Nation. Rock yes, shout out to Rock Nation. Um, they uh, wanted to have, you know, Robinson and CC are friends, so they wanted to kind of reunite and have. You know, you, you bridge the gap. You know, Rock Nation, New York, Hispanics, Blacks, et cetera, et cetera. So there was a celebrity basketball game. Chris Brown was there. Uh, DJ Khaled was there. Um, Derek Jeter was there. And that was Derek Jeter's basically retirement tour two years ago. That's crazy. That was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Neo played in it. Tiki Barber played in it. Uh, Terrell Owens played in it. Uh, Chris Brown played in it. Like, everybody in their mom. Angie Martinez hosted it. Mm-hmm. And Stephen A. Smith hosted it. And um, basically, what happened was I was covering it just as press. Um, I have a good relationship with a young lady um, who's both a producer and a publicist. Her name is Alvina Austin. Uh, More Media is the name of her company. And I, 2014 was a big year for me. Um, dating back to like early in the year, um, I got some national coverage basically asking uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver a question about uh, at the time, the Clippers owner who was banned from making those racist comments. So mm-hmm. I kind of had a buzz at the time. Um, really just was grinding. Had no fear. Was at the Source magazine at the time. And um, Alvina saw me. I met her through a friend of mine, Eric Salvary. And Alvina basically um, said, TV had never seen my clips, never seen my work. She said something in me. And um, long story short, she had got me on the TV network as a contributor called Rise TV. So at the time... Alvina had seen her on the press, on the car, on the red carpet, because T.O. was moving around. Mm-hmm. And at some point, um, she texted me, because I was in press row. She goes, yo, B, come downstairs. It's halftime. I come downstairs. She's sitting courtside. And so on the court, it's like Kevin Durant, um, James Harden, Derrick Rose, Kyrie Irving. Because remember, Team USA Basketball was in town. Gotcha. Uh, they were playing those, those, those qualifying games. Yeah, in New yeah. York, Chicago. And this was a week after Paul George broke his leg. Yeah, I remember so, that. Yeah. But what happened was, I get on the court, I, I see KD, like, I've seen her. B, what's up? Man, you good? Yeah. See, Jay Harden, yo, B, what's up? What's up? You good? Yeah. Kyrie Irving, oh, my God. You know, I had just covered NBA All-Star Weekend in, in New Orleans. Yep. 2014. I had to crowdfund to get there. Yep. And so all that time spent, and people invested in me, it paid off. Um, so what happened was all those guys were getting ready to leave because they had a curfew. So they left after halftime. And then you had all these court side seats just open. At first I was sitting on the floor chilling with Alvina. T.O. <laughs> came around. He was sitting on the floor, on the, floor on the phone. And I see Rihanna. She's sitting to my left, like five rows ahead. She looks, I happen to look in her direction. She looks at me. She goes, she says, hi. I said, what's good? She said, nothing. We just start talking. I introduced myself, told her who I was. Like, we just laughing and joking and having a good time. Oh, I said, man. yo, Ree, 
I said, can I take a picture with you? She said, she looks at me. She goes, you know, if you take one picture, everybody's going to want to take a picture. I said, so what? She started laughing. She <laughs> took a picture. And she was like, before she took the picture, she took a, a, a French rind and she put it in her mouth. She's like, wait, because it was different. And then after that, like, we just talked the rest of the game. I left, and I was with Alvina still. The game was over. Terrell Owens was the MVP. We were getting ready to go in the back. Terrell Owens told security, yeah, they're with me. So I'm in the locker room. I'm going on both sides of the locker room. Chris Brown's on one side. Neil's on the other side. Fabulous is in here. DJ Khaled. I'm just going back and forth, just being silly, laughing, and, and politics. Yeah. And that all came from just sitting there. I was just covering the event. Man, that's a that's crazy a, to me. That's that's crazy. And I mean I can I can see a lot of themes there. Um, you know, not not being timid and um charming, being charming and uh sort of like I don't wanna say the stars aligning at the right time, but really right. the, the stars aligning at the right time. Um, well I take it a step further. I've never told anybody this publicly. Um after that event, I've seen Rihanna two more times since then. Uh-huh. And the first time I saw her, it was uh, last year, um, All-Star Weekend. Uh, it was a party right before All-Star Weekend. Kanye had this big concert out here. Mm-hmm. And it was, at, uh, it, was, it was really, really cold outside. It was a free concert. The after party was at the 4040 Club. And yeah. when she came in, the security, everybody yells at her, everybody back up. So at the time, I'm chilling on the red carpet. AJ Calloway's there. JC Sebastian's there. Kevin Durant's there. Rihanna walks in. I'm like, ah. She's walking. She stops and she stands right next to me. She hugs me and gives me a kiss and goes, hey, stranger. <laughs> and then I saw her again last year, too. I was at, the, I was at a Rap Nation fight at Madison Square Garden. She saw me. I saw her. She stopped. She hugged me and kissed me, and she said, what's going on? You all right? You good? You need anything? You know, I'm sure you doing all right. I mean, there's always, you know, you, you build that rapport with celebrities. You, part of recognition and getting the big bucks is, do they respect you? Do you have the contact list? Yeah. So I've never told anybody that story. You're the first. Publicly, I've never told you. You're the first. Wow. The to know. Wow. Well, that's, that's breaking news. Breaking news. And... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, definitely taking notes there as a, uh, I guess I, I would definitely consider myself a, a, a journalist now with, with podcasting and, and trying to break stories that uh, inspire and motivate people. Um, so I'm, I'm de- I definitely look up to you as a, as a mentor from afar. That, that's breaking news, too. Uh, so, yeah, man. Um, let's talk now. Now, that story, that photo broke on social media. And I consider you a really big social journalist. Um, let's switch gears a bit, although I can talk about Rihanna all day. Uh, let's switch gears about the social media and how has social media um, impacted the way you cover stories, the way you build your brand, uh, those sorts of things. How do I use social media is your question? Yeah, yeah. How are you using social media? Well, I think the biggest thing is, um, and I got this idea from the guy I mentioned earlier, Eric Salvary, um, who, was, who still works with me just in a different capacity, but he, he was instrumental in saying, man, you need to put, insert yourself into the situation, but make sure, you know, just with photo ops. Uh, I think photo ops, not just taking the selfie, because everybody can ask a celebrity to take selfies, but 
I feel like taking photos while at work. You want to give people the perception that you're always working. Um, and I think for me, um, for example, um, I think you're not, you're not worth your grain of salt if you're not constantly writing. Video's cool, radio's cool, but writing is what, is what keeps things going, which is why on my show, Brown in School, we're going viral, because either myself or my co-host, Jake Brown, yeah. have written about what we're talking about. So to answer your question, for example, uh, I wrote a story on CBS Local Sports uh, that dropped, I think, Thursday on Charles Barkley. And Charles talked about how um, his favorite song is, uh, that he plays every day it's Hate Me Back, Hate Me Now by Nas. And he also talked about when he realized that he didn't give a damn yeah, about yeah. what people thought. And you can, you can find that story on CBSLocalSports.com. But um, I inserted myself into the story that I was interviewing him, calligraphist. It's Mael Saeed is his name. And he took a picture of me holding a microphone and me looking deep and thought at Charles as he was talking. That is going to make people want to say, okay, I, I say in my photo, Hey, I, t- I chatted to Charles Barkley, and he wants, you know, he did this, that, and the third. Click the link in my bio. Like, utilizing things that we have every day and using them um, to get people interested. And I think I learned that model from rappers. I learned that model from Kevin Hart. And just, mm-hmm. you know, you, mm-hmm. as a journalist, applying that same technique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say it's social promotion, but clicks is what pays the bills. Yeah. Yeah. Clips play the bills and and buzz and uh, you definitely use it well. The Snapchat, the uh, Twitter, the uh, Instagram. Um, are you on Are you on Periscope at all? I am. I use it every now and then. Okay. Mhm. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um. That that's key, man. You're you're studying the greats and what they're doing, and you're flipping it and you're making it work for you. Um. And I think that's a big. You thing. have to. And the good thing about it is most people don't know. They see the CBS Radio behind me. I'm so independent. Yeah. I just happen to have a podcast yep. with CBS Radio. Yeah. You well, know, so and it, and it does very well. Yeah, yeah. And um, let's talk about that that podcast. It's the um, Brown and Scoop. And um, you're, you're the Scoop component of it. Um, tell our listeners, obviously they're podcast listeners, so tell them a little bit about what, what you guys cover and um, how they can access the podcast. Well, first and foremost, um, shout out to my co-host, Dick Brown. Um, Brown and Scoop um, is a daily podcast on CBS Radio's Play.it Podcast Network. I mean, Play.it has some of everything. Um, Drink Champs with Billy Yeager is one of the other podcasts that are on Play.it. Uh, at Radar. Um, and a bunch of other people have podcasts there. Um, we are usually ranked, um, I think, out of 60 to 70 podcasts that CBS has. Um, I think we're always in the top half, so top 30. Yeah. Um, and it, it started, the show began September 1st, and uh, here we are May, almost June, and um, the show has been a hit, mainly because you got a white dude named Jake Brown, the left is Brown, and you got a black guy named Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Um, the white guy freestyle raps, the black guy can't freestyle rap. He beatboxes. The white guy can't swim. The black guy can. <laughs> if it was any odder than that, um, anybody that can find anything odder than that, you can win $20. But um, <laughs> long story short, I mean, it was a situation where, you know, I had written at the Source Magazine for 
you know, the NBA um, have not just covered, but have relationships with these guys, can deal with them directly, not just high by. You know, so situation where I'm basically getting my friends to come on the show, and then everybody was trying to get on the show. Um, we've gone viral a ton of times, but basically it's a conversation. We're telling stories. We're not, you know, grilling people. If they want to say things, they're welcome to. Um, you get rappers, basketball players, football players, hockey players, actors, actresses. I mean, you've had anybody from the model, Stephanie Santiago. Uh, we've had the producer, Jalo Beats. Uh, we had former NBA player, Samaki Walker, come on and tell us the time that Kobe sucker punched him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went, it went viral. And, you know, TMZ talked about it on, um, on the show and wrote about it. So, I mean, um, we had a situation where Rashawn McLeod, a former um, player with the Hawks and the Sixers, came on and told us the time that Michael Jordan was playing against Jerry Stackhouse. Stackhouse couldn't guard him. And he was singing Anita Baker's Giving You the Best That I Got. <laughs> I mean, it's just storytelling. It's nothing inorganic. I mean, it is organic, actually. It's organic. We're not forcing things. We're just having conversation. If somebody tells us stuff, we've never had a situation where somebody has been mad about stuff that they said they wanted to tell their truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and you guys have had a lot of uh, viral hits on the podcast. Plenty to do with, uh, with MJ. Uh, and then also the uh, the Tim Thomas uh, Kenyon Martin beef that one went went viral too. Um. Yes, that went viral <laughs> actually on my Scooby, Scooby Radio podcast. Um, but I still wrote about it for CBS Sports Radio. Yeah, and um, we also had Kenyon Martin on Brown and Scoop. So there's a lot of syndication going on. But um, yes, we do go viral. We are newsworthy, and uh, the words of Diddy can't stop, won't stop. We're still going. We're not comfortable. Yeah, what's the uh, what's the key, man? I mean, you you guys have had consistent success with the uh, with going viral. What's the what's the real key for creating new stories that that spread? Um, I think you're benefiting from the opportunity of the transition of what media is and what media was still has the bucks. They just don't know how to put that money or formulated the right way mm-hmm. so with all due respect cbs radio has a very old model and they're trying to recreate that model with play that it mm-hmm. with the digital model and you have to compete with the iheart radio and etc etc so i feel like you're dealing with old people who have old ideas and you have young people who are pushing their young ideas and it's going to be resistance at first so thankfully you know the fact that my co-host jay brown is the digital content manager of cbs he has access to, you know, CBS Sports Radio, CBS Local Sports. Well, I, on the inside, well, I have access to the streets, the outside, and I'm talking to know what's going on every day. So yeah. I have to post of what's going on. So I think bringing those two synergies together and having access to all these different publications, because for the past four years, I freelanced at a lot of publications. So now it's a matter of, you know, you leave a place and you have good relationships with editors. They want to push your stuff through. Nice. So- and it's basically not being part of the machine but using the machine to benefit you and it benefits everybody yeah because content is king these days and so if if you can if you can help boost their buzz a little bit then it's a it's a mm-hmm. win-win exactly cool man um i know you uh you, you speak at hofstra and you, you you speak from time to time to uh aspiring journalists um do you have any quick comments that you would you would share with someone that's either in a uh, journalism or, or communications uh, major right now 
um, or maybe a, a, a person that's looking to do a career change and jump into the, uh, the, the journalism industry? I would say patience, and I also want to add that I'm not just um, speaking at Hofstra. I'm speaking all across the country. Um, I've spoken at the National Curtain League. I've spoken at uh, Shaw University mm-hmm. in a panel with MC Light uh, and a bunch of other people. I, I've spoken at uh, Howard University and the myriad of places. So uh, I'm not just limited to just Hofstra, which is my alma mater yeah. for undergrad. Yeah. And if you guys are interested in me speaking more, um, you guys can uh, reach out to BookScoopB at gmail.com. Uh, reach out to my assistant Heather, and she can definitely um, put you in contact with me to make things happen. But what I want to say is, um, to whom much is given, that much is required. Um, when people weren't checking for me, um, and I was, a, you know, I was looking to, to, to take that next step and didn't know what to do, um, one of the best things that ever happened to me was I got a job in something that didn't even have to do with journalism. Um, I was a media instructor at um, with the Upper Bound program uh, at NJIT mm-hmm. in New Jersey. I applied for that position maybe a two maybe two months before I finished grad school. And what happened was I was put in a situation where um, I was teaching kids about writing, teaching kids about how to run a press conference, and had good success. Where I could actually Corey Booker, the mayor of Newark, New Jersey at the time, not a senator of New Jersey, come in and do a mass press conference, and that. Not press conference, but you know, it got the program some press, um, and that gave me confidence and the kids' confidence. And then, you know, after that happened, uh, the following year they had me back. And um, at the time, I had Jibril Peppers, who I had been covering extensively. And he was at uh, a Paramus Catholic High School, and he ended up committing to the University of Michigan. Had him come in and do a mass press conference with these kids, and that gave him practice because he had never done a press conference. So it, it gave him experience and gave the kids experience that had to, you know, conduct themselves with somebody of, of notoriety. And, um, you know, what I'm saying with that is um, Upper Bound, for those who don't know, is a program for first-generation college students. If they live on campus. Um, they live on campus. They, they, they take classes while they're in high school um, that gives them credit for college. Um, I was able to pass the knowledge on not just what it takes to be a journalist, but what it takes to conduct yourself on a college campus. I wasn't the most disciplined person when I was in college. I, I, my grades were horrible. I remember when I was in school, uh, one semester I had four Fs. I, my, my, my grades were so bad, I had a report card. My father said, damn, you got four Fs? I need two more middle fingers because that's, that's, that's four Fs used. You know? <laughs> like, and to me... It really was about passing knowledge on to those kids because I had a discipline system that helped me, and it was on me to pass that knowledge on to them. And I think the biggest thing for everybody is to find a way to latch on to a mentor who's been there. Um, and I try to do that. I, I can't. I, I'm at the point I can't do that. Everybody, but I try to pass my wisdom. I feel like you know, even coming on a show like this, the medium passes on you know a message, and I think that's important. I think we're in an age where we're passing on information. What people do with it, um, that's up to them. Yeah. Yeah, all great advice, man. Um, and I'm, I'm big on mentors as well. Um, where, well, I'm big on mentors because you need somebody who can, who, who knows the way and they can show you the way too. Um, so whenever someone's like, I'm looking to, I want to do this, I want to do that. My first question is, okay, so what are you going to do about getting a mentor? What are you going to do about getting somebody that can that can guide you to the next steps? Um, and a lot of people mm-hmm. underestimate that. And I think it's I think it's uh, it sucks when people do that because really that's 
that's the main thing right there. You think about how back in the day people used to do apprenticeships where, you know, if you were looking to, to go into a trade, you wouldn't just go to school for it. You would match up with somebody who's been doing it for a while and and you would learn from them. You would study their way of doing it. And then when it was time for you to do your thing, you would, you know, put your spin to it maybe, but you've already gained a lot of on-the-job training. Um, so I, th- I think people underestimate that. But I, I want this podcast to sort of be that sort of brief mentorship for people uh, that are looking to, to go into different fields or, or grow in, in their Surely. life. Surely. Yeah, yeah man. I, I think the higher the elevator goes up, it's your responsibility to send it back down. Yeah. I say that in every place that I speak at. The higher the elevator goes up, it's your responsibility to send it back down. Yeah. Um, where can our listeners go to find you? And you can roll out all the all the sites and emails, and we'll try to include them in the show notes so that people, as they're scrolling through, they can uh, click. Yeah, definitely head over to scoopy.com. Um, that's where you can find all the information, video clips, um, articles I've written, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can also check out uh, and subscribe on iTunes, um, Google Play, Stitcher, Podomatic, um, my podcast, Scoopy Radio. I have interviews from people I did back when I was, I had interviews with when I was a kid, like B.J. Armstrong, um, Scott Burrell, um, you know, some of those other people, J.R.E. Um, you can go there for that. And then also, so search for Scoopy Radio and subscribe. Then you also have my podcast with CBS Radio called Brown and Scoop. That co-host with Jake Brown. Um, and then lastly, just social media. Follow me on Snapchat, Scoop underscore B. Twitter, Scoop B. Uh, Instagram, Scoop underscore B. Um, and also uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Contact Scoop B. And that's it. Awesome, man. Well, this has been a, a great, great 34 minutes. Um, you took time out on your birthday, man. That's that's saying something. So we definitely want to uh, honor that and uh, and make sure everybody goes out and, and follows you and, and shows you some birthday love. Uh, any parting thoughts that you have? Yes, I also, thank you for that. I also forgot to mention, uh, check out my Facebook page. My Facebook like, like, let me start from the beginning. My Facebook like page. Like my page, uh, facebook.com. Slash Scoopy, that's where you can find my writing. Um, where I freelance write for various publications, Complex, uh, CBS Local Sports, CBS Sports Radio, Vibe Magazine, Ebony, on and on. Um, but the last part of words that I really have is just, um, again, two things. To whom much is given, that much is required. Um, you're required um, to help those uh, who, who need it, especially if people invested time in you. Um, I think time is money. Money, time is more important than money. You can always get the money back. The time is is, is in how you spend your time, uh, whether that's bettering yourself or or, or bettering somebody else, um, is important. And um, the higher the elevator goes up, it's your responsibility to send it back down. So um, that was that, that's that's very important to me. So you know, make it happen. Make it happen. Make it happen. Each one, teach one. All right. Well, I won't hold you up uh, any longer. What's the uh, what, what's the birthday? What's the birthday move for 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 tonight or, or for the weekend? Check it out on my Instagram page. Scoop underscore big. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm I'm gonna try to get this uh, this episode out today so people can okay. uh, follow you and, and follow the moves. All right. Uh, thanks for joining me, man. And enjoy the rest of your birthday weekend. This Memorial Day weekend. 
and uh, we'll be in touch next time I'm in the city. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, man. Yes, sir. See you later. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's the show. This has been another episode of Business, Life, and Coffee, the only podcast that simulates the experience of having coffee with a mentor, industry expert, or fellow colleague. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read your comment on an upcoming show. You can find show notes, episodes, and resources for your career or business at businesslifeandcoffee.com. If you have a topic that you want to learn more about but don't have time to grab coffee with an expert, email us at info at businesslifeandcoffee.com and tune in for that topic on a future episode. Also, you can reach me at Twitter at JVPSaid. This is Joy Price signing out, and I'll see you next week. If you've recently started a business, why take away time from what you're good at, only to focus on difficult, pesky HR problems? Jumpstart HR LLC offers a better solution. Jumpstart HR provides HR outsourcing support to U.S.-based small businesses and startups and was recently ranked among the top 10 HR outsourcing firms in the country, according to businessnewsdaily.com. From recruitment to employee handbooks to legal compliance, Jumpstart HR helps you get peace of mind about the people in your business. Visit jumpstart-hr.com for more information or follow on Twitter at JumpstartHR. Jumpstart HR. Let's build a better business together.